Buddhism is known for teaching that attachment is the root of all evil. And when hearing that initially, it causes people to either resist it or agree with it, but often to the extreme of judging attachment as bad or negative. As you may know by now on this podcast, we stay away from judgment and instead bring in practical ways to work through our areas of resistance, detailing where and how we can utilize these experiences to alter our perceptions and further our internal growth. It's probably safe to say that whether we think we do or not, we all can carry attachments to people, pets, results, ideas, beliefs, or outcomes, and they often do play a role in our suffering. But why? And how? These are all important questions, but let's dive even deeper into the wise wise. Bring it internal and into what our attachments are telling us. This can be invaluable information if viewed with the right perspective, and it's all in this episode. The just philosophy and the perspectives, tools, and techniques we share provide practical ways to consciously communicate and strengthen our relationships with ourselves and others. And this is just another piece of the puzzle to get you on the path to overall wellness on all five levels. If you feel like you've gained some invaluable information, tools, and techniques to help you on your own personal journey, please consider giving back by sharing the podcast to like-minded individuals, rating and reviewing it on iTunes, or just generally loving it, discussing it, talking about it, and receiving it. And please do share any questions that you have about anything discussed with us on our various social media accounts or email us directly. Thank you so much, Alexander and I have tremendous gratitude for everybody listening and working on you. So now, let's journey. Wise with Aaron and Alexander uncovering our authentic self through self-awareness conscious communication and emotional responsibility welcome to another edition of the wise wise podcast I am Aaron and I'm Alexander welcome everyone and it is midsummer time here in the North Carolina studio that we are in and we have a big event coming up this weekend. I know by the time this episode comes out, it will be past, but we're having another sound journey, Alexander, you want yes, to talk about? Yes, and uh, so excited. It's been um, very well received, and we're sold out. So uh, everyone that is local, please keep your eyes and ears uh, to the path to know when we are holding events and classes uh, moving forward. So, of course, Alexander mentions that a lot on Facebook and his website, thejustphilosophy.com. So you can check in and see when the upcoming dates are. So let's get into the meat of the topic today, where we are going to be talking about attachment and the many types there are. And so, Alexander, why don't we start 
with briefly talking about and describing what attachment is in the way that we are going to be discussing it throughout this episode today. Well, I think the the direction we're going to go with today, because once again, many people can have uh, many different definitions of of a word, any word, but attachment is one of those that's being used pretty widely um, here as of late. And so we're going to come from the standpoint of how attachment keeps you emotionally charged or emotionally um, aggravated or in reaction. And once again, the, the very first step to any type of wellness or healing, if you want to use those terms, or change, is relaxation. And a lot of people don't think about that. And this is why acceptance is such a big teaching in this philosophy, that acceptance does not equal condoning or approving of, but it simply means that very first step of your stopping the friction within yourself. And that's kind of what attachment continues to build and breed off of is these emotional reactions. And so I have another saying that good intentions are the death of a wise one. And attachment is directly connected to this because when setting intentions, uh, most people get those mixed up with expectations and disappointment and judgment and attachment is all connected to uh, that that phrase of expectations and intention you release those expectations so separating from the beginning here of whether you're truly operating out of intention or if it's really better defined as expectations and the way that you can differentiate that is if you're carrying disappointment when something that you intended didn't work out, then more than likely that was actually an expectation rather than an intention because intention doesn't carry that preference. You you give it over to the divine or you give it to a higher power and you are, you're just initiating the initial energy to get something going in a certain direction. And uh, so I am excited about breaking this down. Um, you know, we do want to bring the word detachment in here as well because some people deal with attachment in a way of an extreme to be detached from their feelings or their emotions and that type of thing, or even their relationships. So uh, I think this is going to be a wealth of information for people, just even if it brings just a different view of how to look at this term attachment. Yeah, when I think about attachment, I, of course, go to the relationship type of attachment where attachment in that situation of romantic relationship can create some issues. Mm -hmm. And so I did just want to mention uh, the other types of attachment that are beyond what my, where my mind goes. And some that I have written down are the caring about well-being of even a friend or sure. a family member. There's a pets when pets pass. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we realize the attachment that we had to them. And then later on in the episode, I do want to get to like how to love things that in a healthy way so right. that we don't have to go through that uh, when something passes. And of course, you have a lot of, uh, unfortunately, a lot of experience <laughs> with 
with uh, death and passing. So uh, you do have a wealth of knowledge on that that I would like to pick your brain on. Mm-hmm. And then like you mentioned, uh, attachment to outcomes. Yes. When we don't have an attention, I guess that could be also tied to goals. If we have goals that mm-hmm. we don't meet at a certain time, that can bring a lot of uh, discomfort within us. So are there a- any other types of attachment that you can think of? Well, to bring in judgment here, that normally judgment is directly attached to attachment because people are attached to their views, attached to their beliefs. And this is what creates a lot of the duality out there in the world is that two people meet and they're very attached to their view or to their opinion. And that attachment for some people can create uh, arguments that can even escalate to physical altercations. When is it really worth an opinion um, and somebody else's opinion, you know, taking you to that level of distress. So us breaking this down to where, you know, we are huge proponents here of love and loving people, places, and things. But again, if you're looking for something in return, you may not want to call that love. You may want to call that lust or gain or appreciation or many different words but again, we've, we've talked about love uh, fairly in-depth on some past episodes. But truly consider that, that if you're struggling with how to love without attachment, uh, know that you have created a blockage right there that you may not be clear in what love means to you. Because again, you know, I think in the past uh, I talked about like we can merge into love with somebody. But for them to be dependent on our love is not, that's an emotion. And love, again, I will say, may be the only true feeling. And everything else that we experience is an emotion. So, you know, that attachment is a direct correlation that something is being experienced outside of love. And I do want to continue going into that because... Death has brought a lot of these perceptions to me. And fortunately or unfortunately, I have been on that deathbed with very many people. And expressing love at that last moment is something that um, you're truly not looking for something in return. You just, you want that person to understand what they mean to you. And normally from my experience, the words are lost. There's no words. And this is another thing that if you're using words to describe love, you once again, probably in some kind of other emotion, because when I have experienced and seen other people truly experiencing love, especially at the, the gate of death, there are no words. There's just an expression. There's normally tears. There's a, there's a release But see, that person that's letting their dying friend, mate, mother, father, or whoever it is, they just want them to know. They're not looking for anything in return. And so I think that's a good place for everyone to start. Just if you've had any experience with an animal or with a person passing, you know, and you really wanted them to know how you felt, um, 
you're more than likely not looking for something in return. You're, you're accepting potentially that they're on their way out. And so that to me is the ultimate love that you aren't looking for anything in return and that it is something that you're looking to give or again, just merge with that person at that time and have an experience. And that's why typically I see that words aren't necessary. I'm glad that we are diving back into this. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to pose it to you. Do you want to go deeper into here or do you want to start out more on the groundwork of attachment and then get back into that towards the end? Yeah, I think uh, it might be good to come back around to that. Um, But I do want to come back around to it because that, that level is very interesting. You mentioned your saying, you may not call it love if you're looking for something in return. And I kind of feel like that's like a check-in. It's a check-in that that I sometimes use with myself where I'll ask myself, am I looking for something in return with this? And then I can see, engage the level of attachment, you know, by that feedback. But are there other ways to identify, uh, you know, internally with ourselves that we can maybe questions, ask ourselves with looking at the attachments we have with people or our goals? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, where I would start off suggesting there is by just considering that you're almost always attached to something or someone or an outcome or something, it truly takes a lot of work to not be attached outside of the people that through traumas they have detached through their life. But through my experience, I've seen most everyone is attached to outcomes and they put a lot of energy and expend a lot of energy through their emotions around these outcomes. So I think the better question, rather than am I attached, to just go ahead and ask yourself, where am I attached? By pretty much assuming that if you've got a thought, if you've got an idea, if you have a want, then more than likely there's some attachment connected to that. And so when I started this work, that's pretty much what I did is accepted that whether I realized it or not, I'm carrying attachment. This is what my family taught me. My culture taught me. Uh, Everybody that I was around was attached to outcomes growing up. And so so me just accepting, and there's a key word, accepting that I operate in this world through attachment. And then the dismantling that or changing that over a long period of time was working through that, let me find out Where and why, the why's why, again, turn that why inside. And those are the whys that are useful, not, you know, why didn't I get this job opportunity? Rather than staying fixated on that, that necessarily can't be answered, the more useful question is why am I so attached to the outcome of this job interview? Because If we bring back the five pillars, the very first one is that find the divine order in the chaos or everything is in divine order, whether I understand it or not. And that helps to buffer that. The next one, you know, and I'm not going to go through all of them here, but the next one is useful as well. Polarity versus duality. That in polarity, we accept that opposites have to exist. For one thing to be created, the opposite had to be created as well. And duality is where 
we don't want the opposite to exist. And that's futile energy because you're going to waste energy pushing against something that due to the laws of physics seems to be the case here. So that internal investigation uh, almost always gives the biggest reward. So anytime you catch yourself asking an external why, and an attachment has plenty of them, why doesn't she like me? Why didn't I get that job? You know, is life against me, the victim mentality? Instead of being grateful, first off, well, I noticed that I was attached to getting that job in that interview, and now I'm disappointed because they didn't call me back. And so let this be food for the future that maybe it would have had a different outcome if I would have been more neutral in my acceptance of getting the job or not getting the job. Um, Because I just watched a documentary on a female rock band. And the band only lasted about a year and a half. And then when they split up, one of the main uh, singer-guitar players got turned down 29 times with her solo effort. But she didn't give up, and she wound up, her very first album released, and she was a huge artist. But I wanted people to hear that 29 rejections from, that's 29 different record labels. And more than likely, she started at the top and worked her way down. And so, see, that's perseverance. It can be seen as perseverance, but it can also be seen as non-attachment to the outcome, that this is what I'm looking to do, and I'm going to keep doing it until I find the right people that resonate with it. And so I think that little story is useful to, once again, see that perseverance can be present without attachment to the outcome. And we want to be in that willingness to persevere through obstacles, but remembering at the same time we are designed to balance or keep in equilibrium willpower and trust. And so, see, I could, I could pose it as this artist had tons of trust that she felt and trusted her path that it was going to work out and she was going to get a deal. And she didn't take personally the rejections. And so, see, she was able to persevere through that. And I don't know this for sure, but this is just a concept. By not being attached to the rejection, by not even um, paying that much attention to the rejection, but to keep doing what you do long enough, chop your wood, carry your water, as I like to say, and eventually you will build a house. And I think that some people get frustrated due to their attachment to the outcome rather than seeing the power of being neutral and just persevering in a direction that you want to go. So I can see how you would see that as perseverance and why you would come to the conclusion that she didn't allow the outcome to bother her off her path because she kept going. She didn't allow it to destroy her. Not to mean that she didn't feel it emotionally, but she didn't allow it to direct her. Going off topic a little bit, my question for that would be, again, like this is where I struggle, where like perseverance, yes, she persevered and she eventually got it. But to me, 
at some point down those 29 times, I probably would have questioned and been like, is the universe telling me that I'm not supposed to be doing this? Mm -hmm. And then I probably would have gotten off and, you know, went in a different direction. So there's like, (laughs) I don't know where Mm -hmm. the line is, you know, when we're looking for signs and maybe, maybe she does follow signs and she got the signs that she had to continue. And maybe Maybe. that's a missing part of this and would, would help me to understand a little better. But I feel like that constant rejection, most people would take it as a sign as well. And, and also maybe fall into some of this attachment and, and emotionally react, but you know, add what you want. Yeah. So, uh, and I think that's a great point. And the, the mo- one of the most important aspects of this that we're discussing is that whether you're looking for signs or not, that you're going in the direction that you feel pulled to go. And that's what I feel like this artist was doing, is that she just felt like this was her purpose and that she's going to go in this direction uh, almost no matter what. And I can say that in my career to be, where I am and what I've been doing now, whether it's seeing private clients or the podcast or building my sound tables or holding uh, sound journey events or teaching classes, all of that has been a process of approximately 25 years. And I did go through rejection and ridicule and judgment and all that type of thing. But there was just always this pull. In the human design, it's actually called a GPS center. And if it's activated, normally we have this natural pull in a certain direction, whether it makes logical sense or not. And if you don't have that, then more than likely you're not being pulled. It can help you to see that maybe this is an attachment. So this comes back to whether you're operating out of your authentic self and the cosmos helps us to understand that. Again, the tools we use is the destiny card system, Egyptian numerology, and uh, the human design system to help people to understand, to break out of what you've been trained and what is your authentic self. And the other side is the cost. Because just because this person made it through those 29 so-called rejections and still got the record deal and had a hit album and all of that, there was still a cost to all of that. And too often we just focus on the gain So see, from what I've experienced, you don't get any gain in this life without some kind of cost. So if she had decided to not persevere through those 29 rejections, then the gain wouldn't have been the same, but the cost wouldn't have been the same. So the main thing I want to get across here to everyone is to get out of this way of thinking that you're going to make a wrong decision or that you can make a wrong decision or that you're going to beat yourself up later, like whether you quit or whether you persevere through. This is where getting out of our mind and truly getting more into our soul and what lights us up and what costs we're willing to pay to continue in a certain direction. And this is very uh, challenging for most people that begin the stage at any stage of the development to look at tools or utilize tools or to look for signs of what to do. And it's all beautiful to work with signs and I work with them every day, but at the same time, I'm not, I'm just using them for that as the tool, just like the, 
the destiny card system breaks your life down to 52 day cycles and you can tell when a new new planet comes in to bring a different influence but see that's not a law it is just that it's just an influence just like whether you notice an animal and you consider uh following animal speaks and uh taking advantage of what that animal represents is still not a fact it's an influence and so I think this is a deeper subject of getting into how we're influenced and how influences can, can change our path. And I think we can pick that up on maybe another podcast, but I'm open to going deeper if you have more questions. No, I'm just, I'm just also considering that throughout those 29 rejections, I'm sure she utilized those to learn more and to reinvent herself and tweak herself throughout. So right. it wasn't just like she's bringing the same mixtape to every one of them. I'm pro, you know, I'm sure that she's learning from all those. And then that builds more to me. It, it, I can see it more as like, she's learning throughout and then refining her product. And then that's, that can be why. And the, the big payoff is that she learned from all those. Right. And, and see hypothetically, and this is hypothetical cause I don't know this person personally, but uh, you know, she may not may have been able to not take those as rejections to realize that she was a pioneer. She's doing something different that hasn't been accepted so far. So see, that's where she may have not been attached to the outcome. That's where realistic thinking can be useful to just go, okay, I know that I'm going to be rejected. See, that's not thinking negatively in in my view. It's accepting or giving yourself buffers for when the rejection happens you're just kind of like you have that attitude of that's cool i'm gonna just keep chopping my wood and carry my water showing up learning something new every day because maybe some of the rejections had input and so she could take that and the next place that she went to give a package to she redid the package in a different way and so this is what being non-attached has the ability to do is to help you to grow, help you to hone whatever you thought that you wanted and for it to be even better down the road. So, you know, I think it's a great practice to work with accepting rejection and no just as well as being accepted and getting yeses. And this is a personal practice of mine for many years and even the way that I raised my two boys is that the way you handle no's are directly connected to how many yeses you get. And I choose to look at that divine energy as an overseeing parent because, see, five-year-old children don't understand the intentions of their parents. So when they get something taken away, they think that the parents are being mean to them. They don't understand all of the variables that the adults uh, are taking into account. And it's very similar to the way that I choose to look at that divine energy and that sometimes when we don't get what we want, it's for our best and it's leading us towards something better. So again, why be attached to outcomes if you carry that deep trust on your spiritual level that, no, there is a higher form here, um, managing this outside of myself. And of course, we can get into co-creating and many different aspects of that uh, position. But this is mainly to focus on attachment. And that has very little to do with any what anybody else does externally. 
says, does, or anything because attachment is connected to how you allow this rejection to affect you. So this is more about standing in your power and realizing that, again, the five pillars may be a useful tool to remind you that when you are attached to something, you're not in trust and you're not carrying faith and you're not in non-judgment, a non-judgmental state. And that was the three aspects that we talked about on our spiritual episode. You know, and you even brought up after the episode a great point of what about gratitude? And if somebody is carrying faith and trust and they're in non-judgment, then they're going to be carrying that gratitude. But I think exercising that gratitude is very, very important. When we don't get what we so-called want and we're still able to practice gratitude, that's one of the highest forms of spiritual practice uh, in my view. You mentioned realistic thinking, and I thought that was really interesting because I've kind of always done that to set myself up of the possibilities when I, whenever I go into like a situation where I may feel like I am attached to an outcome, like a job interview. And I wanted to bring in like positive thinking and negative thinking and how those almost create an attachment, even though some people, some people have said to me, like, don't think negatively. Like when I, when I, uh, think, realistic or I think I'm thinking realistic. Right. They're like, just think, you know, think of the positive or else it, or else you can invite that in. And so all of this, this whole area has always confused me. I thought just being realistic was, you know, considering all of the realistic aspects of what could happen. Mm-hmm. It wasn't necessarily calling upon a negative to come in, but, but, you know, relooking at it just in this moment, it kind of, I kind of feel like, if you only have positive thinking or you are stuck in a negative pattern or thinking, you're almost creating an attachment, right? Yes. I mean, uh, I can go along with that because you, you're you trying to, um, you know, exemplify one certain way, which perpetuates duality, in my view, rather than the polarity view of accepting that both have to exist. So... You know, just because I recognize that it's dark outside doesn't mean that I'm going to bring darkness into my life, especially if I'm talking to somebody and going, oh, it's a little dark outside. That doesn't mean I'm inviting darkness into my life because I can turn on a light switch and light comes on right away and darkness flees light. So, see, a consideration is one thing, but focusing on it, obsessing on it, is what builds the energy over time. So that point of neutrality or non-preference that I talk about a lot is part of this process of um, just considering the cost and the reward. And in considering the cost and the reward, the reward doesn't have any more emotional uh, emphasis than the cost. I look at them equally, and that can help me to make a more well-rounded decision, I feel. Just because I consider the so-called cost does not, in my world, mean that I am manifesting that. If anybody you know, studies anything about the way that energy builds, it takes time and it takes 
like focus for the energy to build. And so just a consideration isn't a focus. It's just a possibility. And so, you know, I use the analogy of going to the beach. And some people are afraid to swim in the beach because of sharks or different things. And so some people just won't get in the water. Some people never think about uh, there being sharks in the water or any kind of obstacles, even sea urchins like in Hawaii and places like that, that can sting. And both parties can be very surprised. The person that's in fear might go in with like 10 other people that form a circle around them, and they get to have an experience in the water, getting in and out, and not being bit by a shark. So they're surprised. And then somebody that never thinks about the possibility of a shark being out there, they can be swimming one day and get surprised by a tail or something touching their leg and then looking down and seeing the outline of a shark. But for the person in the middle that resonates with the Just Philosophy and the Wise Wise podcast, for that person to go to visit the beach but not necessarily carry a high preference of whether they get in the water or not, they sit on the beach uh, by the water and they simply do a check-in. Do I feel safe? Is there any messages of, um, of anxiety coming in or is there any reason that I should be concerned of what's in the water because the fact is is sharks are in the ocean (laughs) they are so to not consider that isn't very realistic but to focus on it i'm not for that either if you sit down and you do that check-in and you got a feeling of something's uneasy maybe i shouldn't get in the water that's just for then or just for that day it's not for the rest of your life So this can be brought back around to living in the present moment, being adaptable and flexible rather than choosing a side or choosing a team or choosing a view and sticking with it no matter the variables. So I think that that may be, you know, helpful to people that when I talk about living in neutrality or non-preference, I'm not saying or suggesting that you will never have a preference again. I'm merely saying when you notice that you have a preference, you're able to set it aside to check in with your intuition, to check in with your gut response, to check in with these higher sense abilities. But most people feel that they carry these higher sense abilities, but they're not able to manage their emotions. So the emotions are really the message that they're getting rather than the intuition or the gut feeling, so to say. When we talk about attachment and when we talk about it being present and almost in a way that people might misconstrue as you never want to have attachment like it does kind of get a negative vibe even in like other aspects of self growth work so i did want to bring that in like we're not saying that attachment is necessarily negative we're not really judging it but how would you pose that like why is it seen as like a negative well i think first of all you know, being able to recognize that you're attached is a higher level of operating. Because if you can accept that you're attached to something or someone, then the very first step is you are not seeing it clearly. That's all. There's not necessarily something wrong with it. But what I suggest is you go to somebody that's neutral, that doesn't carry a preference about this situation or this person, and talk to them about it and see what they're 
neutral input is. And uh, worst case scenario, they'll probably bring up some good questions to ask you. So I think that's the first step. It's not, again, about judging whether attachment is good or bad or whether anything is good or bad. That's not really our focus in this work. But it is how is the way that I'm approaching this making me perceive it? And when we want to operate at our highest level, we want to handle things consciously or for the overall good of everyone involved. And normally that consciousness or that higher level of everyone involved is beyond your personal attachment to the outcome. And so I think that even that phrase for the overall good of everyone involved, it is a great practice when you do notice that you're just carrying a preference. See, don't judge yourself that you're a bad person because you you do have some attachment somewhere or on someone or you do carry this preference. Just accept that you're not able to see it clearly. And see, that makes decision-making around that moving forward very, very different. So it's not about whether it's good or bad or right or wrong. It's how it's affecting you is the interest here that we're discussing. So and one aspect we would bring in is that when we do have attachments, there is a cost to those attachments, especially if we don't know we even have them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so like in a relationship, if we are attached to having that person around all the time and suddenly they need to go off because, you know, they're going to a family vacation and you weren't invited for whatever reason, that could create an emotional reaction because they no longer can be with you like that weekend and now you're without them and because you have an attachment of them always being there, you almost rely on them and maybe they fill a void for you. And if you're unaware of all these things, you're not going to really understand why you are having an emotional reaction and you may blame it on them leaving yes. you or an abandonment issue. But if you are aware, like that, all, that changes it a little Completely. bit. So yeah. you know, go ahead and, and speak for that. Many times couples will get into arguments or even fights over just kind of a scenario that you're talking about. It becomes the insecure person asks their partner to choose between them or their family when really it is an attachment issue with uh, that initial being. And by not allowing... Uh, their mate or their friend or partner or whatever to go do what they're pulled to do, even if they don't, it's going to create the potential for resentment. So, see, the majority of all of our emotional reactions is out of ignorance. We don't take the time to just consider, why am I actually upset here? Normally, we will project onto the other person and create something that is logical or literal uh, that maybe wasn't there just 15 minutes earlier. So a lot of times arguments get created around an issue when we're not aware of that issue. And in that manner, that issue may or may not ever get resolved because the focus will then become on whatever the argument uh, starts around. And so lots of arguments and disagreements begin somewhere completely different than the meat of the argument. 
And this normally comes from being ignorant, that you're not aware that you're attached to this person or this outcome, and you're just uh, vocalizing um, in some manner your judgment of this. And that causes many different ripples of, of, because people are different levels of emotional reactions. So accepting that if you have a preference, you're not seeing it clearly can help to buffer that to make sure that you don't go down the line of conversation and a tangent and get in a disagreement all because there was something uncomfortable around this one subject. So I think that that recognition, a big key is not judging yourself and not thinking that if you recognize that you're attached and to not immediately go, oh, I shouldn't be that way or I shouldn't do that. This is, again, how we've been trained. It's just recognize it. And then I like to say, watch that and observe that action over a period of time. That, wow, I am carrying this preference. And this person just did 10 great things for me over the last week. But this one thing that they said they were going to do and they didn't do, I'm focusing on that. You disappointed me. You let me down, blah, blah, blah. And this is what's unfair in our relating right now is that we put so much emphasis on what we judge so-called negatively or what we're attached to that we don't get. And we don't take the time to just recognize we're not seeing it clearly or we're not seeing it consciously. The very first step is getting rid of that judgment that you've done something wrong or incorrect. And when realizing that it's really just a pattern that you've got to break over time. And this is why, again, I like to suggest people be willing to fail a hundred times before you really feel like you've got to change or that you know something different. And we've got to be easier on ourselves in the failing department because we truly learn at the deepest levels through our failing. And in this work's definition, Failing just means an opportunity to grow rather than anything negative. So we talk about attachment having a cost. And if people are listening to this and want to become better people and and live a life of overall wellness on all five levels, then it seems like the logical place is to start to chip away at our attachments, become aware of them, and then... I think most of us would jump to the conclusion that, oh, I need to get rid of all my attachments. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's where a lot of people go. They, they jump the extreme instead of doing it slowly. So the question is, should we try to live unattached? Like, what is the process of somebody listening to this for the first time, realizing that they have attachments? And then, you know, how should they go about working on those attachments and then what is the where is the optimum level here like where where should we be striving where where should we intend on heading around attachments well i think this is another great question and part of the answer is around that judgment of attachments and this is why i like to use the phrase of the term work toward neutrality or non-preference See, it's easier from my perception to work toward something than to try to quit something, to try to stop something, or to try to start something. Starting new habits is the hardest thing for people just to start because 
Normally, there has to be an ending for there to be a start. But this next level that I'm talking about of the uh, observing stage to where you actually allow yourself to be in the attachment and you go, well, this is very interesting. I was expecting uh, whoever, Michelle, to come over this evening and she sent me a text saying she's not coming. See, in that moment, each individual truly gets to choose whether they get upset at Michelle coming or not. That emotions are actually a choice. And that when we're working toward neutrality or non-preference, we give ourselves a certain amount of time to work to it rather than going, oh, I've got to stop being attached. See, this what that can do is it can take you to the other extreme of being detached. And so, see, people can go right away of, okay, I'm not attached anymore. I don't care. Well, that's detached. I'm, we're not suggesting that at all. Say Michelle doesn't come over, and I noticed that I was attached to her coming over. I'm upset, and I'm sad. Then right away, I would suggest to go find some stillness and see what you can connect that sadness to in your past. Because more than likely, this person that didn't follow through, they're showing up to play a role for you. And if you can find out to what their role or their disappointment reminds you of from your past, and you resolve or forgive or whatever you need to do to get to acceptance with your past— then that is going to resolve the situations in the present. So this is the process of getting there to where, it, say, I relate it to um, a brother when I was in my teens and say they were going to take me to my first concert, and then at the last moment they told me that I couldn't go because they had a friend that wanted to go. You know, that... It could be considered abandonment. It could be considered rejection. It could be considered many different things. But that is where the gold is at in that situation that you see, oh, I'm still hung up over my attachment when I was 14 years old of my brother not taking me to that concert. And see, from the energetic view, someone is always going to have to come into your life to disappoint you in order to remind you that you still got healing from your past to heal. And from my own experience, I've proven hundreds and hundreds of times of when you do make your peace with that in the past, then present situations stop showing up. So this is why the non-judgment is so important, and that when you do recognize that you're attached, to ask that internal why. Why am I attached to the outcome here? Because I choose to go back to the first pillar that everything's in divine order, whether I understand it or not. And death is the ultimate test for this because you don't get any considerations or any possibilities of another outcome. That's why I've said many times that death is what has taught me to live. Because it teaches you to either you have to accept something that you don't want or you're going to be in your own internal hell for the rest of your life. And so this is not easy, and I'm not suggesting that it is, but gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results. And if every time you feel that rejection, if you'll go find some stillness, find what it's related to, work to heal that in the past, 
then it will stop. It will it will start dampening your need for this um, attachment to the outcome, because normally attachment is to overcome a fear of something that you've experienced in the past. So this is why we choose to look at in this philosophy as every situation in your present moment is just a teacher of something that you haven't healed here from the past and working backwards and going to the past helps to resolve the present. But if you just focus on the present situations, you'll never truly reach wellness or any type of healing. You'll just be dealing with those types of obstacles constantly. So I think that that's why the gradual change over long periods of time to accept yourself that you are attached, but then start asking why you're attached, connected to something from the past, and then work to let that go. For me, the that very first pillar, the second pillar helps as well for me to just remember that everything's in a divine order here or everything's chaos and there's too much beauty and just go look at a passion flower if you think this world is created out of chaos and it's it's too intricate it's too uh, sacred geometry for for my taste or the next one even if you can't get past that one the polarity and duality to understand that there is a night and a day there is birth and there is death there is opposites everywhere that you look so to start to get rid of the duality and choose through acceptance the polarity so when we using polarity, we can accept that we're not going to always get our way, that we're not going to always get the outcome. And the true wise people that I've been fortunate to be around is they're the ones that their demeanor doesn't change whether they get something they want or they don't, or whether somebody leaves their life or comes into their life. Because again, uh, love is there and available for us at all times. We don't even need someone else to experience it. But if you're going to bring somebody else in through relationships, then do it in that way from the view of that you're merging together to join in love rather than being dependent on this person for love. So, And many traumas uh, are connected to this attachment, and that's normally, like I said earlier, where attachment spurns from is some types of traumas from earlier in life. Michelle, why are you standing up, Alexander? I don't understand <laughs> yeah, this. Exactly. Where are you at, Michelle? No. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so, one one thing I wanted to add was if Michelle was standing me up and I felt that emotional reaction come in, one thing that I would ask myself is, where have I done this in the past? Because that helps me to understand the human element of it like we're just human you know and then i can see like all the possibilities of what could be going through michelle Mm -hmm. and you know maybe she's maybe something came up she had plans or she's just not feeling well so many different possibilities and variables yes and that does help in the acceptance phase to put yourself you know it's an empathic nature is to to live through empathy to just say, no, I don't know what they're going through, but I could imagine. And if that imagination helps externally or to go, well, I remember when I stood somebody up, but yes, I mean, I had a flat tire. I did everything that I could. You know, those types of things uh, can certainly help for you to get back to that point of neutrality or the keyword acceptance. So what would you say uh, to somebody who thinks this is boring, like feeling excitement for Michelle coming over, you know, you know, and then you mentioned that the true wise ones don't 
um, I don't know if you said don't show or feel different whether they get their way or not or get what they're looking for or not. Um, what what would you say to somebody who thinks that's boring and who can't see the value of that and wants to feel that excitement of life? I say knock yourself out is what I say because however high you go on the emotional realm of positivity, the unfortunate fact of polarity is that when you do go so-called down, you're going to go equally as low. So this is, you know, some adrenaline junkies are, are about this, whether they're skydiving or roller coasters or, you know, things like that. But what can change that whole view is an injury. Somebody that really loves skydiving and never thinks about anything going wrong all it takes is for one thing to go wrong one time, and they'll never look at skydiving the same. Doesn't mean that I'm saying, I'm not saying they'll stop skydiving, but our experiences changes the way that we approach things. And so I've shared on other podcasts that people have come to me and said, Alexander, you just always seem so blah. And they do their hand across in a very steady motion movement. And I say, well, please never misunderstand that there's, there's always a party going on here. I just don't need to wave my pom-poms. And in this, I like to bring a, a little bit of a poem of Rumi that he says in one of his poems, why the frown? And the answer is, for those that mean harm will not recognize me. Because most people that are upset, they will pick somebody out that they think that is happy or having a good time and try to bring them down to that level. So see, living in the view of neutrality doesn't mean that you don't care. It simply means that you're able to get to acceptance faster when you don't get what you wanted. So for those people that enjoy those highs and the lows, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But just don't fool yourself to think that you're not going to go that low when you do go low, as high as, you know, you so-called go when you're up. And some people are here to experience more of a variance of emotions. And so by no means am I suggesting everybody be the same. Again, understanding yourself through the Human Design Destiny Cards can help you to understand whether that rush that you get was could have been taught to you. And it's not really for your well-being, these huge swings of the emotions. The wise people that I have had the fortunate time to be around, there's no loss of fun. It's just that you may have to change your view of fun. But there's no loss. There's just not jumping up and down and waving pom-poms and the so-called excitement because you can keep a steady fire burning a lot longer at a small flame than if you put all your wood on it at one time and build a huge uh, fire, then you're going to run out of wood really quickly. And so that slow consistency is what we're looking at from the perspective of wellness and overall wellness, that consistency rather than the peaks and the valleys. Yeah, and for the people who have had the experience of being an optimal or optimum gratitude and being in the moment, bringing in that love energy, comparing that to excitement, which one is which one feels more real and authentic and 
and um, energy building, which one's building your energy versus depleting your energy. Because it, to me, you know, having that excitement, you get you get really tired after. Yeah, you get a rush, but you do. You pay a cost for it. And it's the same with anybody that gets, you know, physically excited about something and runs around, you know, four or five times around the house or something like that. Uh, they're They're burning off energy. And so if we burn off too much energy and then we need some for reserves because something so-called negatively happened, uh, you're not necessarily going to have it because you're, you're exhausted chasing that feed of excitement. And that's outside of the parameters of, you know, the polarity as I was talking to where if in every movement, every action, every thought, you're just considering the cost, that's called energetic maturity. Now that is my biggest uh, commodity, which I question if it's not everyone's, every human's, but to see that your energy is possibly your, your, your most important commodity and that when you exhaust it through excitement or despair, and we want to say the other way as well, that when negative things happen, you know, that you work toward accepting that quicker too. So, so this is really, I mean, I think from a visual, easy for people to see of how much more energy it takes for a spike in a valley, the distance between those, as opposed to a more equilibrium approach to where you're just peaking and valuing very, very small amounts. It takes less energy. So, so if our purpose is to experience well-being on all five of these levels, the physical, mental, emotional, energetic, and spiritual, then how we spend our energy is potentially the most important part um, because that's what directs how efficient we are in all of the four other levels. So how, could, how can we optimally care or love for somebody like a family member or even in, re- in a relationship or a pet? Like what's... How do we do that without creating these really hard attachments? I think it's really done through uh, gratitude. That if you are practicing gratitude, whether it's with a person or a pet, and you're just really being present with them on a daily basis, I see a lot of attachment is connected to guilt. Once again, that like if if an animal's passing or a person is passing and you don't feel like you have done right enough by them, then many times the attachment will uh, will grow because you want time to so-called make it right. And being consistent in your gratitude towards somebody or something I have proven in my own life makes it easier to part with than if you carry guilt or shame or something like that for the way that you have treated or avoided them or whatever in the past. And so exercising that every relationship is temporary and eternal simultaneously is very important to realize that almost everyone checks out of here by themselves and set for a few rarity choices, experiences, and accepting that that truly seeing that every relationship, I see people just take it for granted that things are just going to be like this forever. And again, this is a a teaching that death taught me, that (laughs) 
it forced me to see, no, every moment is special. Every interaction is special because it does have an ending. And that has been implanted in my own life path very, very deeply. And I'm appreciative for that now because it does help me to stay non-attached. But I also challenge anybody to, you know, to reach that level of love simultaneously. It is through acceptance. And the more you accept things are impermanent, the more present you are with it or the situation. And so I think that that's a, that's a big part of it is, you know, people will say that they're grateful, but, you know, I want to ask everybody, the listeners out there, when was the last time that you truly sat and was grateful for somebody or something to the point to where you started crying? That, see, that crying is what activates the feeling, which is real, not the concept, not the concept or the thought, but that actually feeling. So see, people will think about things that they're grateful for. Oh, I'm grateful for my health. People will say that. Oh, I'm grateful for my family. Many times I'll say, well, then why aren't you bawling? I don't understand why there aren't tears if you're truly, truly as grateful as you're saying. And so this is running everything through all five of the levels. And sometimes we get stuck just on that mental level. This happens very often in our culture. And we think we know what we think. And we do not know or understand what we think. We have to take the knowledge that was gained by the mind and then put it into application. Then that makes it work toward wisdom rather than knowledge or intellect. And so I think that that's a a great place to start is to see, uh, you know, everybody just do a little bit of a gratitude uh, check-in and consider doing that maybe daily and see how hard it is for you to get to truly emoting or releasing when you're in such gratitude. And however long it takes you to get to that is a good sign of how attached to things that you are because the sooner you can get to what is real to you, the less attached to people and things typically that you are. And I would also say most of that is done in reflection and not like in the moment. Right. Yes. And that's why stillness is so important or being able to get yourself in a place to where you're not distracted. Uh, You know, I'm a big fan of meditation or contemplation, but just putting yourself in an environment to where you can do some of this processing or really just releasing for some people is just releasing, thinking about it. And then they will get uh, overwhelmed with input. And a lot of that has to deal with your design. And we can help you to understand that more deeply as well. And then finishing up this conversation on attachment, I did want to bring in what we started talking about on the previous episode and what you kind of mentioned a little bit at the beginning of this one. So bringing it all the way back around to that ultimate love. And in the past episode, you talked about the merging of the two and not necessarily needing that other person to love you back or to give you something in order for you to express your love or be in love. And I did just kind of want to also wrap up that conversation to make sure that we did finish it because I I think I know where you're going with this, but I'm not sure we really did get to a good place with that in the past episode. I'm sure it will spur more questions from the audience. Um, but maybe talk about that and how attachment also plays a role in that. 
Again, uh, something to look at. You may not want to call it love if you're looking for something in return. Love is something that is, uh, we can say, given, just given, or it's merged with. But if you're looking for something in return, you might want to call that lust or attraction or many different things. And attachment is directly connected to this let's make a deal kind of idea of love. You do this for me and I'll do this for you. And in love, there is no attachment. There is true and so-called unconditional love. There's literally nothing that that person can do or say to make you stop loving them. And many mothers feel this about their children, fathers too. But, but that's one of the easiest place for most people to understand that no matter what their child does, they may not approve of it, but they'll never stop loving that child. See, that's not dependent on that child giving them love back. That is something that they, they merged with with that child when they were just in an embryo and they've been with it ever since. So it's been this long developing thing and attachment can harm that relationship because the person justifies that they're trying to save the person or help the person or blah, 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 blah. But when it truly gets down to the love, there's no need for that protection there. So attachments directly related to that. If you if you are noticing that you or someone else is attached to something, then you're not experiencing it through the vibration of love. And I think that that could be useful for people to to realize and that the majority of the time that most people are talking about that they're chasing love or looking for love, they're really chasing and looking for something else because you don't have to look or you don't have to chase for love. You can just merge with it at any time. And that merging many times when people say, well, how do you just merge with love? Uh, well, in my experience, it was learning to be still. And that was mainly in the mental area. To, to learn to be still mentally helps you to reside in gratitude much quicker. So you may need to still the body to be able to still the mind, but everyone doesn't need to still the body to still the mind. So that attachment you know, hardly ever exists in the stillness. Attachment exists in the busyness of life. And that's where let's make a deal type of relationships that most people think is built off of love. It's really made off of uh, agreements and the potential to avoid disappointments, which is attachment. And so I think that was a good place to, to kind of bring it around to uh, to wrap up this episode. And, so would you say the, the love that you're talking about is almost found in consciousness? And when it's in like a relationship aspect, it's you wanting the best for the other person, but that doesn't mean that what you want for them is for the, is the best. Right. So you're not pushing your own views or projections on them, whatever, you know, you just want to see them live their fullest life. Sure. Sure. And, and we can always justify it that we're wanting to protect them because we so-called love them so much. But this is why, again, studying things like someone's cosmic makeup can help you to understand deeper levels of them and to truly how to support them for their highest good. Because just because they want it does not mean that it's for their highest good. And this is what is practiced very much in raising children. So in relationships, you know, it's not just being supportive equals loving. 
It also means that being restrictive doesn't equal loving. This is the whole point of living like a tree and learning to be rooted and solid with your roots, but be flexible with your limbs because depending on the storm that's coming in, you may need to adjust your perception or your actions. And that's showing you right away if there's any resistance that there's attachment involved. And we've we've discussed many different ways to approach it from that. But I think people are getting yeah, confused around their definition of love and that I wish we had a separate word outside of the term unconditional love. Um, that that seems to say that, yes, there's two different, there's a conditional love and there's a unconditional love. But even that conditional love, I don't feel that that should necessarily be called love. There, There's just love. It's Love is unconditional. So if there are conditions, then let's call that like. Let's call that appreciation. Let's call that many different things. But the term love in our culture is so overly used and abused that it's created so much confusion that when people say, I love you, they really don't realize what they're saying. They're really saying, I'm attached to you. And as long as you do certain things in a certain way, I will continue to say these nice things to you. But as soon as you don't, or as soon as you say something negatively toward me, I'm going to take that love away. That's not... (laughs) I just want people to consider whether that's really love or not, or if it isn't something like appreciation or lust or blah, 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 or attachment. And seeing that this true, real love doesn't have any attachment to it. And I think that that is a, just a good place for people to start is by reassessing, like paying attention who they tell them that they love. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't say that. But just know what you're saying and then have that moment of could they do anything to me or say anything to me and me continue loving them? If the answer is no, then why not just hug that person and say, I appreciate you so much. That's all that I'm suggesting is for you to really consider the vibration behind the words that you're using in these relationships and that if you say it, then mean it and and exercise the whether attachment is connected to it or not, and that's normally the very first uh, view that it's not love, it's something else if you do see attachment connected to it. And then maybe the, the takeaway that we'll also present uh, leading out of this episode is that love is readily available to anyone at any time. All you have to do is tap into it. You don't need a person, place, or thing, or to attach yourself to other to anything out there to receive it. You yes. just need to... Still our body. Yes, still our our body and mind and and tap into that vibration. Uh, And that can take some people quite a time because they've they've seen love through these views of all of these rules that you got to meet to to get to it. And uh, we're such a, a codependent culture that, you know, even people that are single, they still have codependencies with different things. And normally whatever that codependency is, is a consideration of what is distracting them from that love vibration. So some people just resonate with nature because of this and animals because of this. Because, see, they can you can merge in love with a dog very easily. They're normally looking to merge at any point in time. Cats are a little bit more that you get to receive love when they want to give it. 
And then the key is not to overlove them, not to squeeze them too tight or they're going to leave. So I feel like, you know, animals is a great place to start and to see can you be readily available to give love when it's offered to you? And then when you notice when you want it, can you choose not to force an animal or a person to provide it for you? Can you just go and tap into that energy and the vibration of it and experience it? All right, everyone. I I love this episode. <laughs> Good going. All right. So stay tuned for our three minutes of stillness.
We appreciate your interest in self-growth, conscious communication, and continuing to ask the wise wise. And remember, gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results. The Just Philosophy, as discussed in this podcast, has been developed by Alexander over the last 22 years in his private practice, professional environment, and private studies. The information discussed is intended for educational purposes only. It is not meant as a replacement for conventional medicine. Just remember, knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. Seek the wise. As we continue sharing this information, there are also multiple ways to share and support this work. Gain access to our exclusive content, behind-the-scenes footage, and other products that assist you on your self-awareness journey by joining our patron team in exchange for a monetary donation by visiting wise-wise.com patron. That is wise-wise.com slash p-a-t-r-e-o-n. Another way of support is by sharing this podcast with receptive individuals or even leaving a review on popular platforms such as iTunes or Facebook helps us introduce this work to others through the listener's words. We are also on most major social networks, so follow us along there or even join our Facebook group community. Continue your journey by visiting Alexander's website where you are able to book private consultations in person, by phone, or even Skype. Know thyself better with human design and destiny card reports and readings as mentioned in this podcast. View a calendar of his live performances and class schedule. Peruse his other products such as shirts, CDs, and the revolutionary VibroTune sound vibrational therapy tables that assist with subtle energy alignments. So grab that keyboard and go to thejustphilosophy.com for those goodies. That's T-H-E-J-U-S-T P-H-I-L-O-S-O-P-H-Y dot com. And if you love the touch of a soft shirt with a message that will warm your heart in resonation, then check out my company, Verity's Apparel, where I am a one-man band doing it all from design to physically printing the garment. It's sealing it all with a conscious touch. Just go to veritiesapparel.com, V-E-R-I-T-E-E-S-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com. Thank you all for being a part of this journey with us.